Okay, we're continuing our series on perspectives. As we've been going through this series, we've been looking at how important it is to have the right perspective, that the way we see things is going to determine the way we live out our lives. And how important is that in our spiritual life to have the right perspective concerning God. We talked about whether we believe in God concerning worship, this idea of religion or this relationship, the church being a movement of God and not just a facility or an organization. All these things we've been pushing into seeing things correctly because if we don't, our lives will be steered in a direction that will become ineffective not only to the world around us, but in our own development as well. And today what I want to do is talk about fatalism and freedom. Even those words just sound like fatalism. It just sounds so bad. And then freedom, you know, you kind of feel that. But what we're really talking about is fate and free will. And You might think, oh yeah, we're all for free will, but you would be surprised how many times we just fall over into this attitude of fate, where we start to negate our responsibilities and give the shrug of the shoulders and say, well, God knows or God's going to do what God's going to do, and and those kinds of things. And so it's important that we think about how we see life. If we have a, a fatalistic view, the doctrine that all events are predetermined by fate and therefore are unalterable, acceptance of the belief that all events are predetermined and inevitable, You might think, well, I I don't believe that, but so many times we relinquish our will to something like that. And we do it unmeaningly, but we do it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look at the fall starting at chapter, starting verse 1, chapter 3. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and someone will run one to you. Hold it up and they'll get it to you. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid, them, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you 
that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God, well, we'll stop there. As we are familiar with this story, we, we see that God placed man in an environment where there was the opportunity to make a choice. And throughout scripture, we see this theme come up over and over again about making a choice. And, and what we see Adam doing as this responsibility of choice is placed on him, what he actually does is say, it's your fault, God. You put this woman here, and she's the one who caused this to happen. And the woman likewise says, it's not my fault. The serpent, by the way, you created this serpent. It's not my fault. It's your fault. And we actually start seeing this blame to God for the circumstances that we do that take place. And it's something that continues to this time. I was counseling a couple. And as I was talking to the gentleman, he was telling me the, some of the problems that they were having in their marriage. And he went on to say that, you know, he had been unfaithful to his wife and there were some problems there, but, you know, he's trying to work things out and that his wife was doing these things, you know, that were problematic. And so he wanted to deal with this other issue about her because she wasn't walking the way he thought she should walk. And I just thought it was strange. I go, you know, you're real worried about what she's doing, but let's back up a little bit. You think this affair might have caused any kind of problems? And he goes, well, that's done now. Okay, well, let's worry about things like, you know, music, and let's worry about things about, you know, if she's going to the mall with friends, but let's not talk about the elephant in the room and about the affair. That's off the table because, well, I am forgiven. God's dealt with that. Let's not deal with that. Let's talk about what's happening right now. Do you think that maybe what's happening right now and her struggle with you has anything to do with this that happened back here? And it was amazing to me that there was just this ability to disregard what happened and say, well, I'm forgiven. I'm not questioning your forgiveness or not. But don't you think that event had an effect on your relationship? Don't you? It would me. Even though I could say, oh yeah, you're forgiven, it still affects my relationship. But this kind of, oh, well, it's no big deal. The things that I do, the consequence of those things, it's not a problem. God forgives me. It's done with. I don't have to deal with this anymore. Let's just move on so that I don't have to own what I've done. 
But throughout Scripture, there is always this pressing of what it is that we do. And here's what we do. If it's something that we have a hard time dealing with it, we throw it on God. It's too big for me to deal with, so, oh well, God knows. It's kind of like whenever you eat food and it's something unique. Like if you eat iguana and someone asks you, what does iguana taste like? Tastes like chicken. Why? Because chicken is my framework. I know what chicken tastes like. But if you were to think about it, iguana doesn't taste like chicken. Iguana tastes like lizard. It's different, but we don't have a category for lizard. But we have a category for chicken. Because Juan Pollo, Pollo Loco, KFC, we chicken nuggets. I mean, we know chicken. And so our mind says, I don't know what this is. It's like chicken. And that happens in our lives. I, I don't know what's happening. Well, God knows. And I'll just, I have to find a category for it. So I'll put it in the God category. Instead of recognizing that this might be something where something more and something deeper is actually taking place. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, the Lord says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. So God says there is a choice. Choose this one. Very specific. Now, you might think this is obvious, and it does sound obvious, but so many times we start distorting these things, where now God is responsible for the things that happen. Again, if I don't know, well, God knows. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, the reason is you made a choice. The reason is you had an affair and it's causing problems. The reason is you didn't give yourself to this, you gave yourself to that. The reason many times is connected to what you have done, but then when it becomes overwhelming, God knows. We throw up our hands and we surrender to the fact that I don't want to deal with it, so I'm going to throw it in the fate category because that alleviates my pressure. But we don't live that way. You make plans. If you believed that fate was in charge of everything, you wouldn't worry. Why should you? You can't change anything. The reason we worry is because, oh no, I have to pay that bill. Oh no, I have to get up and go to work. Oh no, I have to take care of these things. Another passage, Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the God your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And again, here is a a very familiar verse where Joshua says, decide for yourselves what you're going to do. Choose this day who you're going to serve, the gods of that in Egypt or the Amorites or the gods of your fathers. Make the choice. He doesn't tell them, do this. He says, it's time for you to choose. 
It's time for you to make that choice. And so we understand this kind of reasoning, this choice, and, and we do it all the time. Am I going to choose Mexican or Italian? Am I going to choose, you know, to go to the beach or am I going to choose to go to the mountains? Am I going to, we make choices all the time that affect our lives, but somehow when it becomes God involved, it gets blurry and, and we start thinking incorrectly. You just throw God in the mix and all of a sudden everything changes. I used to hear this, I haven't heard it recently, but people would say, well, can God make a rock so heavy that he can't pick it up? It's like, just because you put God in there, it doesn't make something that is absurd no longer unabsurd. I don't know if unabsurd's a word, that's absurd, but it doesn't change the fact that what you said makes no sense but we'll throw God in it and make it profound. No, can you do something and not do something at the same time is exclusive. Can God do something and not do something at the same time? That's foolish. And when we throw God in there, we get confused and we start to be afraid of these things. We start acting goofy. Yes, I said that, goofy. Let me ask you this. Does anything happen that is not God's will? The answer would be yes. How could you say that? We've just read that. We just read that in Genesis, but all of a sudden you make that statement and it seems like we're taking away the power of God. We haven't reduced God's power at all by giving us the ability to make choices and do things that are not his will. We haven't made him powerless just because we can be stupid. And we somehow think that we have undermined God's sovereignty just because we say things can happen that aren't his will. And that's not the case. The same thing applies to is there anything God can't do? Oh, be careful, Sam. Be careful. Yes. We know that God can't lie. We know that God can't be tempted with evil. The scriptures have declared this. God can't do things that are out of his character. I have not made God any weaker by saying there are things that God cannot do. I haven't changed who he is. God's not thinking, oh no, I didn't know I couldn't do that. What do I do now? He's not panicking. But for some reason, we get this idea, oh no, you just said God can't do something. God can do anything. No, God is limited by his character. And understanding that doesn't take away from him. What it does is it gives us information on who he is. It gives us clarity. And then also what it's doing is giving us responsibility. See, it doesn't mean that he is powerless. It means that he is choosing to limit himself by the things he already is. He determines this by his character. And it's important that we recognize that God's character determines the things he does and our character will determine the things that we do. And so it's important that we recognize that 
what we do, the choices we make, determines the people we will be. And for some reason in Christendom, what happens to some is there is this idea, I have become a follower of Jesus, I'm forgiven, and now my choices don't matter because God's in control. God knows. I belong to God now. Or they'll say something like, well, all things work out for the good. So it doesn't matter what I do. I can do anything and God's going to make it for the good. That's not what the passage is saying. And we'll come back to that just in a little bit. But what we are understanding is that your choices will determine the things that you're going to do. You see, life is not happening to you. You're not stuck. There are things about your life that you don't like, that you're personally responsible for. Okay, maybe you don't like your job. Okay, I don't like my job. Maybe you don't like the fact that you're single. So I don't like being single. Maybe you don't like being married. I'll I'll go ahead and write. (laughs) Just keeping it real. Maybe you don't like the way you feel or your weight, your body. You know, I don't like that I'm overweight. I'll just put body so I don't feel so self-conscious. So all these things, I don't like my job. I don't like that I'm single, married, or have a body. Um, (laughs) Who's responsible for all these things? You are. You see... If you don't like your job, you can try and find another one. It might take a while. I'm not telling you to quit your job if you don't like it. Or you can try and change the circumstances at your job so that it becomes a job that you do like. You can go to school, try and educate yourself and pursue a different career path. You you can move from this place. You see... You're not stuck. God didn't say, this is your job, live with it, deal with it. You have the choice to move from this. You're single. Well, God wants me to be single, I guess. Have you asked anyone out? Well, no, God will bring someone to me, you know, just like, you know, happened with Isaac, you know, the Lord brought Rebecca to him. No, they went out and got her. If you're single and you don't want to be single... You should go on a date. (laughs) You should ask someone out. In fact, I can promise you, if you don't ask anyone out, you will stay single. And you might think, well, how do I know if she's the right one? Is there anyone else? Well, who else might come along? Maybe nobody. If you don't step into this, you'll get nothing out of it. I don't, it doesn't mean 
And hey, you single? Okay, let's do it. You know, I'm not, I mean, get married. Um, just to be clear. Uh, if you're single, you have to take the steps to get out of that situation. It's not going to just fall on you. If you're married and you're not happy with your marriage, you don't go find another one. <laughs> you invest in your marriage. You talk, you seek counseling, you see what you need to do to make a better marriage. Good marriages don't just happen, they're made, they're invested in. The grass isn't greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it. You invest in your marriage so that it can be a good marriage your body. I guess I'm just stuck with this. <laughs> Nothing I can do. I have to eat the pastrami at the hat. It's my destiny. It's fate. Why would God put one in Upland if I wasn't supposed to eat it? Okay, and so these things, I have a direct effect on what they happen. I am not stuck in my job. I am not stuck being single. I am not stuck with the marriage I have. I am not stuck with the body I have. I just have to care enough to make the investment in these things to see a difference. Not saying be desperate, not saying to be overboard, but... I have control of these things. So many people I talk to feel as if their life, they're, on the, they're a passenger on the bus of their life. Wherever God takes me, I don't know. I'm praying if the God will lead me to this or I'm praying that God will do that. What are you doing? I don't see Paul being so indecisive. I see Paul saying, hey, I want to go to Asia. Oh, I guess I'm going to go over here instead. I see Paul moving. I see him Active. I, I see Joshua saying, hey, make a choice. You want to serve these gods? Go serve those gods. I'm going to serve the Lord. I see God saying, choose who you will serve. And so God has given you the freedom to make an effect on the life you are living. Are you owning the responsibility or are you saying, God, it's your fault? This job stinks. I'm stuck in this job. I hate it, but I have to do it because I've got to pay the bills. And pretty soon we're complaining to God about where we're at and God's like, what do you want me to do? God, get me a new job. Have you put any other applications in? God, get me a new job. Why don't you invest in the direction you want to go and then allow me to work with you? You see, just because God's not dropping a job in your lap doesn't mean that God is not involved. We confuse the will of God and God working in our lives as two different things. You see, all things work to the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That means when things happen in our lives that we have no control over, when you get sick, when the place of your employment goes out of business, God doesn't say, oh man, that's a drag, hope you make it. 
God is involved. He is going to work in that situation. Oh, you still have to fill out the applications. You still have to go look with the job. But God is involved with the things in your life. So he's not passive. He's not absent. He is working with you. In concert with you. Not apart from you. With you. And God will steer situations and allow things to happen to make opportunities unfold before you. Jonah is a great example. God said, I need someone to go to Nineveh. Jonah, you're my prophet. Go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I hate the Ninevites. I'm going to Tarsus. God didn't say, I'm going to change your will. But God did make him willing to go. Okay, go to Tarsus, or try. Then there was a wind. Okay, wind's keeping us from Tarsus. God is working. Hey, we're going to die here, Jonah. It's my fault. I'll jump in the ocean. Okay. Jumps in the ocean. His choice. There's a fish. God is working. Fish swallows Jonah. God's working. God doesn't even take the fish and just throw them up where he's supposed to. It's three days before Jonah says, I'm sorry. I don't want to be here anymore. This is terrible. And then God says, okay, you want to go somewhere else? (laughs) Yeah, I really do. Okay, I have a plan. There's a shore here. You can walk to Nineveh from here, and it's good. See, God is at work in concert with us. Jonah always had the choice. And God never violated his free will. God is never violating your free will. He will work in concert with you. In fact, he will work all things together for the good to help you in the situation. A friend of mine, an old friend of mine, son, committed suicide. And it devastated his family, him, obviously so. And he's been writing some blogs about the difficulty in dealing with these things and trying to understand because they don't know all the information of why this happened. And so it's shattered their world. And then someone will come and say, well, God's going to work all things out for the good. And to him, he's saying, are you saying because it's intended this way, that the reason your son committed suicide is because God's working something good. And you see, that becomes very difficult to see your God in a way that he would do something like that. So are you telling me that God had my son kill himself so that he could work out something for the good? Because that was the intention of some of these comments. And when it's coming across that way, it's very abrasive. It's very striking because now all of a sudden this God of fate, it doesn't matter. You're out of control and he's going to do whatever he's going to do. You can make choices or not make choices. It doesn't matter. It's all up to him. But you see, the God who says, no, I'm going to give you the freedom to choose and direct your own life. I have relinquished that to you. 
than when tragedy strikes because your son kills himself. Your son made a choice. God will work in your life so that something can happen. Not God caused this so that you will go someplace. Does that make sense? Understanding God did not make his son kill himself. His son made a choice for whatever tragic reasons. But God hasn't given up. God is there with the family. He is weeping with them. He is holding them. He is comforting them. There is no pit that we go in that God is not deeper still. He doesn't abandon us. He's not disregarding us. But we have to deal with the responsibility of the things that we do. Another passage I want to go to in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Hang on a second. I think it's Mark chapter 10. I'm sorry. It is. Mark 10, chapter 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. That's, you not shot, defraud, honor your father and mother. Sorry about that. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Notice verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus loved this man. And yet this man went away. This man made a choice and God could not change his choice. God would not change his choice because his will is his own. Your will is your own. Well, didn't Jesus love him? He did. But you see, this man loved his wealth more than he loved Jesus. And he made that choice of what he would follow. He was responsible for the direction of his life. He directed the bus where it would go. He wasn't a passenger God cared about him, but he still went away. It's important that we recognize that God loved him and he went away. God didn't predestine him to go away. Jesus cared for him and wanted him to be with him. 
He made the choice. God is working with us and through us. What we yield ourselves to will direct what's going to happen to us. Daniel 1.8, it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He, he determined, I'm not going to do this. He made a choice and it affected his life. And what God was able to do in his life because of how he resolved to live his life. David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me as we've been going through 2 Samuel. We're at this place now where David's son Absalom is taking over, trying to take over the kingdom and David is running for his life and David's right-hand man, Ahithophel, his counselor is now counseling Absalom and David prays and says, God, confound the counsel of Ahithophel because man, he's got good counsel. And then we find that Hushai, one of David's men, is in there and he whispers to Absalom. And so Absalom, instead of taking Ahithophel's good counsel, takes Hushai's bad counsel. Why? Because God is working. David prayed, confound him, God. And God says, I will. I'm going to put Hushai there and he's going to work there. Is that a coincidence? No, that's God working. You see, but there's a difference between God working and God just making it happen. God is at work in the situation through the people that are there, through David's prayer, through David's command to Hushai go and be a part of this council, through Absalom's vanity saying, I like your plan. It really strokes my ego. I'm going to listen to you. God is at work in all these things, accomplishing what is going to be better for the nation of Israel and be for ultimately Christ. And so God is always at work. And so when someone says, well, everything happens for a reason, well, no, not really. But God is always doing things. God is always at work. I'm always looking for how God is going to show up, but I have to be a part of it. And so I don't mind people recognizing the work of God taking place. So many times that will happen where you, you pray, God, open a door and a door opens. That's great. God is at work with you to see these things happen. Are you at work with him? You see, if Daniel didn't resolve in his heart, I'm not going to defile myself, he would have limited his effect on the nation of Babylon and on the scriptures as we know it, on the prophecies that came from that book because he yielded himself to be useful to God by the things that he did, by the choices he made, he changed the circumstances where he was at. Well, I'm in Babylon. I'm a slave now. There's nothing I can do. I'm even a eunuch. That sucks. Okay, this is, this is bad news. This is where I'm at. Nothing I can do anymore. This is what God has for me. No, he says, I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to give in to apathy. I'm not going to kick back and say, well, whatever the Lord wants to do, and now I've made it spiritual because I've thrown God in the mix. I have to purpose in my own heart. I have to be resolved to do. I have to make the choice not to do. I have to make the investment to do. And I am going to pray, and God is going to work in concert with me to see something take place. 
so I can get the better job, so I can find the right guy, girl, so my marriage can be good. Skip the last one. God is at work with us. One more passage we're going to turn to and we're going to close with this. Jeremiah 17, 9. Again, it's a familiar passage. But there's something that was striking me about this passage. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heartful is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, Search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Let me ask you this. Why does God need to search the heart and examine the mind? What is he looking for? The eyes of the Lord go to and fro, looking for a a man to show himself approved. What's he looking for? He's looking for a person who has determined. A person who is making the right choices, whose conduct is according to what God wants and the deeds that he will deserve. You see, God is looking for what you and I do. What are we doing? I don't want you to be powerless in the direction of your life. The purpose of of this talk is that you will not see fatalistically where you are, that you would recognize that you have the potential to be a Daniel, that you have the potential to be a Paul, that you have the potential to change the life you are living in, and that God is searching, God is examining to see what you're doing And to reward those deeds because you will reap what you sow. Why? Because God doesn't care and he's just going to do things? No, he's saying what you do matters. What do you want to do? Because the eyes of the Lord are looking and he's searching the heart to examine your mind because he has given that to you. Well, God knows all things. God can do all things. No, he will not violate your will. Well, if it's the will of God, then it's going to happen. No, God will work in spite of the things that you do to accomplish things according to his will. But what you do matters. Well, everything works out for the reason. No, something Some things happen because of what you do. The reason you lost the job was because you showed up late and did a lousy job. The reason you're still single is because you're obnoxious. 
The reason your marriage isn't working is because you had an affair with someone else. The reason you're not living a fulfilled life is because of the choices you're making. Lord, it's the job you gave me. Lord, it's the woman. It, it's the serpent. It's, it's, it's not God's fault. You're not stuck. This is your life. The choice has been given to you. What choice will we make that we could determine these things? Jeremiah, I mean, Galatians 5, 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not enslave yourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You have been set free. You are not under a law. You are not under the bondage of sin. If you belong to Jesus, you have the freedom to live out this life of abundance that he chooses to give you. You are not held back by anything but yourself. I was in a, a group one time and there was a gentleman who was having some issues again, another gentleman who had had an affair and he's saying his marriage was terrible and he just you know, couldn't see how to get out of it. And I asked him, are, are you, is your life where you want it to be? And he said, no, it's not. And I said, I'm going to submit to you that your life is exactly where you've made it to be. It was your choices that brought you to this place in your life. You have done exactly what you wanted to do and you're living the life that you want to live. If you want this other life, make the choices that will get you out of this one to that one. Because God has given you the freedom to make that choice. Let's pray. Lord, it's frightening to recognize how much power you have entrusted to us. And all the power that you've given us doesn't render you powerless at all. Lord, you are always at work. You are orchestrating things beyond our ability to know. But you will never violate our ability to choose. And so, Lord, with the choices that we have, what are we doing? What life are we choosing? How are we going to live with this freedom that we have? Will we entangle ourselves with things that bring us bondage and bring us into slavery? We, we have habits that we have developed that have now taken hold of us and now are in control of us. Or will we take control of and drive our destiny, allowing you to work with us and us with you, calling out to you, asking for help, hearing your voice, getting direction, knowing that you're searching our hearts, you're examining our minds right here this morning. Lord, to see how our conduct is going to affect and produce deeds for good, for bad. Lord, what do you see in me? 
David said, search my heart, Lord, and see if there is anything wicked in me and lead me in the way of understanding. God, I want to work with you in this. I need your direction. I call out for your help. God, I don't know tomorrow, but you do. I don't even know my own weakness. My heart is deceitful and wicked. It's tricky. Who knows the heart? Lord, you do. So search me. Examine me. I want to make better choices. I want to live a more meaningful life. I want to invest myself in things that will produce a future. And I ask for your help all along the way. May the things that happen, Lord, in our lives not break our spirit or our will to make the right choices. We surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name.